0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well,
2: there's nothing you can't ask on the
1: Savage Lovecast. Did you hear about the Pope? It happened a couple of weeks back. You probably already heard about it. The Pope told nuns that they needed to delete the porn from their smartphones. That was kind of funny. Didn't see that coming. Wasn't on my 2022 bingo card, as they say. But yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. You probably already heard about it. You probably already heard about Elon Musk buying Twitter, taking control of Twitter last week. That has been an unfunny shit show, but you probably heard about that. Did you hear, though, about the National Park Service asking Americans to stop licking toads? It's true. They did. The Park Service asked Americans who are out there licking toads to, please stop. There are apparently some hallucinogenic effects depending on the toad, but it can make you really sick. And I can't imagine it's very good for the toads either. So you should probably not lick toads. You probably shouldn't buy Powerball tickets either. The prize for the lottery is now up over $2 billion. Biggest lottery prize in history. Playing the lottery is a waste of money. It is a tax on fools, as the Italian nobleman who ran the lottery for his country in the 18th century famously observed. So it's not exactly new news that the lottery, or lotteries, all of them everywhere, are a scam. The odds are stacked so astronomically against you winning the lottery that it amounts to, quote, a tax on the mathematically challenged which is how Roger Jones, professor of mathematics at DePaul University in Chicago, put it. It's just a nice way of saying, as other people have said, that lotteries are a tax on stupidity. I bought my lottery tickets this morning, and I don't want you buying one, as that will decrease my chances of winning. So don't you be a fool and waste your money on lottery tickets just because I did. You know, if you are wondering, you're probably wondering at this point, what's up with today's intro, popes, toads, lotteries, so scattered, so all over the place. This is what I sound like when I'm trying really hard not to think about the results of the midterm elections, which we won't know until much later today. In some places, it may be a week or more before we get results. All we know for sure is that the shit is going to hit the fan. We just don't know how much shit is going to pass through the fan, and for how long. So, while we wait, I'm going to recommend some ways to pass the time, some distractions. Hump submissions are due in one month, December 10th, so if you don't want to think about the midterms, there's no better way to take your mind off the possibility of a Senator Herschel Walker than by making some porn with your buddies. Go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit to find out how you can get your dirty little movie into America's best dirty little movie film festival. What else? What else? Distractions. Oh, Young Royals season two streaming now on Netflix. It's a gay teen soap. It's a little less idealized. It's a whole lot grittier than Heartstopper, also on Netflix, which is kind of amazing considering that one of the two leads in Young Royals is literally a Prince Charming. Well, maybe more of a Prince Pimply than Prince Charming would still a future king. If you didn't catch season one, you could spend the rest of the day once you're done with the Love Cast watching both seasons of Young Royals. I've also been watching Reboot, the new show on Hulu about a reboot of a 1990s sitcom starring Rachel Bloom and Paul Reiser. Really good. There are eight episodes. Binge it, and that'll kill four whole hours. And then you can spend another hour or two debating what. We've been debating around our house whether or not the guy who plays Zach is hot. Zach, hot or not? I say hot. My boyfriend says not. What do you say? Of course, I always want to mention hot is subjective. Hot can be situational. Everyone's hot to someone. Everyone's hot sometimes. So, of course, Caleb Worthy is hot. He's the actor who plays Zach because everybody is to somebody Sometimes. If you're looking for something to read, recent Sex and Politics guest Gareth Russell's new book, Do Let's Have Another Drink, is out now, and it's delightful. Some of us read history, particularly royal biographies, for the juicy anecdotes. Juicy anecdotes are the reward for slogging through long chapters about military strategy or living conditions for the average person. Gareth's new book about Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, or the late Queen Elizabeth's late mother, is all anecdotes. It is delightful, perfect reading. For a day like today, more TV. A friend recently got me into Family Guy. I do not endorse every joke. I am deeply offended by at least one joke per episode. And there are too many poop jokes in every episode for my taste. But there are 19 seasons, so dozens of hours of content to help pass the time, probably hundreds of hours. I would do the math and figure it out for you, but math is hard and I'm not going to do the math. I'm just going to move on and recommend Interview with a Vampire, the new series, much gayer than the movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. A little gory for me, but Interview with a Vampire viewers are rewarded with the single most beautiful lingering shot of a man's rear end since we all got to ogle Emperor Augustus's ass on HBO's Rome in 2005. Something else you could do today? You could vote. If you haven't already, you could put down the toad and go vote. Blue no matter who, that'll kill some time. Then go straight home after voting. Do not pass 7-Eleven. Do not buy a lottery ticket. And while we're on the subject of the elections, which I kind of didn't want to talk about, but I'm going to, there was a post that went viral on Twitter this week. There were a lot of posts that went viral on Twitter this week. This one wasn't about Elon Musk. I don't know who it originated with, so I'm not going to attribute it to anyone. Twitterer, because I saw it in many tweets, but I do want to endorse the sentiment a vote is not a valentine. You aren't confessing your love for the candidate. It is a chess move for the world you want to live in. Exactly. I don't know why people think they're entitled to vote for candidates who are perfect for them in every way. I don't know why people think we're entitled to vote for candidates that we fall in love with, who are perfect for us. Perfect isn't a standard you would want to be held to as a romantic partner or a candidate. I'm guessing that you, like me, aren't perfect. You, like me, may have worried about climate change while boarding an international flight or eaten a hamburger while stressing out about the fate of Brazil's rainforests. We don't get to fall in love with people who are perfect for us in every way. We don't get to give votes to perfect people or Valentines to perfect people. Because there's no such thing as a perfect person. And if there were one perfect person out there, the odds that that one perfect person on the planet would happen to be running for Senate in the state where you happen to live, the odds of that happening are longer than your odds of winning the lottery, which are long. And please, again, don't make my odds of winning the lottery any longer by buying a lottery ticket yourself. All right. All right. Coming up on today's show on the micro Savage Lovecast, which is here to help you pass the time as we wait for the results of the elections today. On the micro, lots of your Qs, lots of my As and some ads. And on the Magnum Savage Lovecast, which you can subscribe to now at savage.love. More questions, more answers, no ads. And also here to help you pass the time as we wait for results. New York Times best-selling author, Gabriel Blair joins me to talk about her new book, Ejaculate Responsibly, a whole new way to think about abortion. And a reminder that starting next week, Savage Love, my long-running sex advice column, moves to savage.love. The mini Savage Love will be available for all, just like micro Savage Lovecast is available for all. But Magnum Subs will get the full column, the maxi Savage Love, just like Magnum Subs get the full Lovecast, the Magnum Savage Lovecast. Magnum Subs also get my weekly response roundup, the sex and politics podcast, live events like Savage Love Live, and... More And if you become a Magnum sub today, you can lock in the current price before it goes up by four bucks next week. The current price right now, $36 a year, which comes out to 69 cents a week. And no, we didn't do that on purpose. Magnum subs have been 69 cents a week for a decade. And we didn't mention it all this time because we didn't realize it until this week. So go to savage.love right now to become a Magnum sub today. Today's Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Me Undies. High quality, super comfortable, good-looking undies. Get 20% off your first order when you go to meundies.com/slash Savage. Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from stamps.com. With stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click print mail and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S A V A G E.
3: Hi, Dan. I'm a 35 cisgender straight male in the Pacific Northwest. A few weeks ago, I mashed with a girl on Bumble. I asked her out and she said yes. As we set up a time for the date, she tells me she's trans. I'm taken aback as it wasn't in her profile, but I tell her that I'm still attracted to her. She asked me if I'm open to her being trans and I say that I am, and I mean it. I do say something like this is normally disclosed. I bring up your name, Dan, as I remember you saying that disclosure, although not required, is good etiquette. She replies that Dan Savage does not advocate for disclosure within a profile and that I'm not even entitled to know that she is trans. I'm a little taken aback by her response, and at this point I should probably leave it, but I don't. I politely ask, if one can do so, where she is in her transition, which is where things go off the rails. She is very upset by my question and tells me that she's super turned off and that I need to educate myself which I do. I tell a friend about the situation, and she shares three articles she thinks are relevant. I read them with an open mind and come away further understanding just how much trans people have to deal with. It's a lot. But something recurs in these articles, an idea that I'd never heard of before. Genital preferences. One article states very clearly that having genital preferences is akin to being transphobic. Now, I understand the question I asked must be very uncomfortable for her, but is it okay to expect somebody to invest time, energy, and money into a potential deal breaker? And, and what if it's not a deal breaker? In one of these articles, the writer talks about desirability politics, which is about the struggle of people classified as unfuckable by the dominant culture. Kind of hard to be unfuckable if that's what someone's going for. Look... Maybe I'm obsessing too much over genitalia. Maybe that's low vibrational. After all, I wouldn't ask a non-trans woman about what's going on downstairs for her before meeting her, I get that. I fucked up by asking that question. But when I bounced it off of my friends, most of which are all millennial, Gen Z, leftist liberals, they all think that having genital preferences is the same as free speech, it's a natural right, So are we just out of touch or is this idea of general preferences a step too far?
1: To clarify, I think that trans people should disclose before hooking up with someone for their own safety. And I think there's some lingering hangups about the unfuckability of trans people that are really rooted in where trans people, trans awareness, trans rights were 30, 40 years ago when to be trans was really to be seen as undesirable and unfuckable. Every time I talk to a trans person these days on the show about getting on a dating app, the problem isn't that nobody wants to fuck them. The problem is that everybody wants to fuck them. Uh, I had a trans man on recently who was overwhelmed by the numbers of gay men that were responding to his profile on a gay dating app. And he didn't know how to filter or juggle all this dick that was coming his way and needed my help with that. So I really feel like this argument that some people are still having about trans people. Yeah. Not everybody is attracted to trans people, but a lot of people are. And I think trans people these days, particularly younger trans people approach dating, not with a sense of desperation and scarcity, but with a sense of abundance uh, and their own desirability All right, so I think trans people should disclose. I think this woman did disclose. I don't think trans people, as she said, are obligated to put this front and center on their dating apps. They don't have to lead with it, but they should, for their own safety and to screen out people, to spare themselves from wasting time on people who wouldn't be into them, disclose it before the first date, which is what this woman did. So do you see what you did here? You scolded this woman for not disclosing Right after she disclosed, and she disclosed the fact that she was trans to you in a perfectly timely manner and a considerate manner at an appropriate time after you connected online and before you met up for the first time in person. That isn't hiding the balls, if I may make a joke, and I probably shouldn't, but that isn't hiding the balls. That's being very upfront. As to the subject of genital preferences, I think it's crazy uh, that you know people who are Gen Z who think genital preferences are legitimate. There's a lot of people out there. I I tend to associate people condemning others for having genital preferences with younger people, younger millennials, younger Gen Z types. I think genital preferences are perfectly legitimate. It is an awkward conversation to have with someone uh, about their genitalia, about whether they've had sex re- that kind of sex reassignment surgery, that kind of gender confirmation surgery, whether a male to female transgender person has gotten bottom surgery. That's a, certainly an awkward conversation to have. But yeah, most straight guys aren't going to be into people with penises, regardless of gender. And that is a legitimate expression of straight male heterosexual identity and preferences. I'm rather into dick myself. I have lots of gay friends, particularly Gen Z and millennial gay male friends who don't just sleep with, don't fetishize trans men, but date trans men, see trans men as potential boyfriends, partners, husbands. Maybe their homosexuality is broader, deeper than mine. Maybe their gayness is more transcendent than mine because their gayness uh, isn't limited by sex. They're attracted to men regardless of sex. But yeah, not the case for me. Not the case for many people, even most people. But still, there is no shortage out there of straight guys who are up for, into dating trans women, whether they've had bottom surgery or not. And trans women, when they disclose that they are trans, instantly remove from the pool of guys who might be interested in dating them guys who aren't interested in dating them. And then they won't have to waste their time on those guys, which is why I think trans people should disclose. Not to spare potential partners from the horrors of, going on a first date with somebody who is trans, but to spare themselves the horror, the stress, the annoyance of going on a date with someone who's transphobic. I think perhaps, you know, if we just go by simple majorities, maybe the dominant culture, the majority of the people who move through the dominant culture regard trans people as unfuckable. But there's an enormous number of people out there now who regard trans people as Not just fuckable, but desirable. I don't know if you're one of them, but if you aren't, don't waste this woman's time. Sounds like you had a shitty, icky, gross conversation. Sounds like right out of the gate, she disclosed, you scolded her for not disclosing as she was literally disclosing. Yeah, don't bother this woman anymore and try to do a little bit better with the next trans woman that you connect with on Bumble or any other dating app. And you are entitled. You are entitled to having a preference where genitals are concerned. Genitals play an enormous role in uh, sex, and you are, when you're out there dating, seeking a sex partner, and you're allowed to take genitals into consideration when making those sorts of selections.
4: Hey Dan, early 20s bisexual female from Sydney calling about open relationship things. My boyfriend and I have been together for almost four years, uh, monogamous for about three and a half, and open for six months. Since we opened, we've been having a lot of great experiences with different partners, but have always agreed that we're non-monogamous rather than polyamorous, mostly because we just wanted to ease into the non-monogamy world and not get too involved or attached to other partners too quickly. Although we are both pretty demisexual and so have been forming ongoing connections with other people that we're sleeping with. It's become somewhat of a blurry line between open and poly now, but both him and I have made at least one independent connection with other women. I guess the relationship is naturally moving into a more hierarchical poly dynamic. I think it's called where him and I are nesting partners or primary partners. My issue is, though, the girl I have been, I guess, friends with benefits with has de- developed feelings for me, and the girl that he's been seeing, I think, is starting to feel the same for him. It's been so beautiful to get closer to these women independently, um, and sometimes all of us together. The person I've been seeing has said to me that she sometimes struggles with the fact that she thinks she'll always come second to my boyfriend, which I guess is kind of true, as he's my first priority. He's my primary. I don't know. We've always been honest. We've always tried to be as ethical as possible with our metamores, I think they're called. But I've been seeing um, on a lot of poly Instagram pages and stuff that the whole hetero couple open relating and being each other's primaries gets a lot of hate and can be seen as kind of unethical or something I don't know I just want to know how to do this in the best way I understand that like the hate often comes from the whole unethical unicorn hunting thing which we've been not doing trying not to do but yeah I don't know I'm just wondering if if we're going about it the right way should we actually realize that we are poly but not but primary partners and say that to girls that we see, or should we stop making recurring connections with people if we aren't ready to be relationship anarchists, as they say, and be totally poly all the way around?
1: I'm having a hard time understanding how you would square being demisexuals with being open but not poly. A demisexual isn't really attracted to someone until there's some sort of emotional connection. Now, an emotional connection can be fleeting. It can last an evening. I think that some people who are demisexuals are perfectly capable of having one night stands and keeping things casual. But I don't think, based on the rest of the information that you shared, you and your boyfriend are capable of that. You've both established relationships with these other women that you're dating. And Yeah, I think you need to say to the woman who's worried that she's always going to come second to your boyfriend that it's true, that your boyfriend is your first priority. And if she isn't willing to date you under those conditions, under that kind of hierarchical polyamorous model, well, then she's free to stop dating you. You have to give her the information that she needs to make an informed choice about whether she wants to be in this relationship with you and come second. And what you see out there online, a lot of people condemning hierarchical polyamory, most people in open polyamorous relationships that there is a hierarchy. What you're seeing is a lot of, I think, noise from people on the left who think any structure where there's a power differential, is somehow illegitimate. And I don't think the people making the most noise about that online um, and making people who are straight and in open or polyamorous relationships feel guilty, making them feel like they're doing it wrong, I don't think they represent the majority of polyamorous people out there. I know a lot of polyamorous people. Most polyamorous people that I know aren't in relationship anarchy style, everyone's a co-equal partner kinds of relationships. Most people in open relationships were in monogamous relationships once upon a time. There are a lot of married people out there who are open and poly. Of course, the spouse comes first. Of course, the spouse in that circumstance has more history and legally more power. It's harder to extricate yourself from a relationship with someone you're married to than someone you're dating or seeing. Look, I think it's worse to pretend that there is no hierarchy. I think it's worse to pretend that there aren't power differentials in relationships and be in denial about it or actively lie about it. Yeah, there is a relationship here, an established ongoing relationship. And you just have to be honest with the women you're dating about whether your boyfriend, whether this relationship is your primary concern. And you're allowed to have a primary relationship. And that kind of polyamory is perfectly valid. And I'm always annoyed when people leap out of the bushes to tell other people that they're doing it wrong. That however they're conducting their sex lives... However, they're constructing their relationships that if they aren't doing it just like I'm doing it, that they're doing it wrong. If this is what works for you and your boyfriend, this kind of polyamory right now, and you're honest and straightforward with the women you're dating, that this is who you are and what you're doing and your boyfriend is your primary partner, you're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing unethical about that. And beware people that you or your boyfriend start to date who say, I don't want to feel like I come second. Literally, you came second. Literally, you were not first on the scene here in this relationship. Primacy may be something you'll never achieve. Equality in the relationship, that might be something that a secondary or tertiary partner can achieve, but that takes time and patience and some respect for, the primary or the original relationship. And I think someone that you're dating as an open couple who is already playing that I don't want to feel like I come second card, that's a red flag. That's a red flag for a third. You're going to want to keep an eye on that. We all know that you must secure your own oxygen mask before assisting the person next to you. Same concept applies with underpants. As it gets colder and the winter holidays rush toward us, you're going to want to stock up. On your own super comfy, super cozy MeUndies socks, t-shirts, lounge pants, and underpants. And then you're going to want to assist everyone on your list by getting them some super comfy MeUndies socks, t-shirts, lounge pants, and underpants too. And MeUndies right now currently offering a great deal to my listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase with free standard shipping and free returns when you go to MeUndies.com savage. I've got airplanes on my mind because I just got back from a really long trip. The first thing I did when I got home was pull on a pair of Miami Undies lounge pants. I know I talk about them every time. I love them. I have six pairs of them. They feel so delicious, especially after a long flight. And I was delighted to see that a couple more pairs of brand new, cozy, comfy undies for wearing under my lounge pants were waiting for me at home. It is the best subscription ever get your shopping done early this year with me undies holiday collection their undies loungewear and sleepwear are all made out of the softest most supple fabric you've ever felt and are guaranteed to bring comfort and joy to all your loved ones. Shop their classic plaid prints for a traditional picture-perfect, Christmas morning picture-perfect style, or get festive with their adventurous limited-edition sweater prints. MeUndies products are available in sizes XS through 4XL, so MeUndies has what you need to make all your favorite people of all sizes smile this holiday season all in one convenient place. To get 20% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to meundies.com slash savage. Let them know the cast sent you. Go to meundies.com slash savage.
5: Hi, Dan. I am calling today because it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really learned my body and started to orgasm and come properly, and I have a lover now who makes me come a lot, but then what happens is that we do quite prefer PIV intercourse, but then there's not enough friction for him to kind of continue afterwards. So my question is, I mean, we explore lots of other ways to pleasure him, but PIV is really the favorite, and I have kind of tried to hold off on letting myself Really explode in orgasm as long as possible, but it just it happens very quickly with this particular lover and I mean, this is i mean it's a best case scenario problem, but do you have any tips for us that might help?
1: well, obviously, if after you've had a whole bunch of orgasms, you're so lubricated that there's not enough friction for him, you might want to let him come first, let him have his One measly, pathetic male orgasm before you have your awesome, amazing, superhero, multiple female orgasms. That said, I do have one suggestion. I do have an additional suggestion. I have a sex toy suggestion, but I'm almost too shy to say the name of it out loud because I don't want to offend you. But there is an insertable sex toy that is popular with some gay men. It is called a pig hole. It's basically a hollow butt plug, a butt plug that you can see through like a periscope. And you can insert that into someone's, well, I've only ever seen it inserted into someone's butt. And then you can fuck that pig hole. And of course, it doesn't self lubricate. So you might want to think about acquiring a couple of pig holes and really getting into some like crazy sex play. You could get. One that, you know, once you're all orgasmed out and incredibly well lubricated that you slide into your vaginal canal, get a silicone one, they're safe, and then it would provide him with quite a lot of pressure and friction if you can roll with that kind of toy. I feel like the advice I'm giving you right now is a little bit like the advice I recently gave a guy whose cock can't get hard in Savage Love in the column where I encourage him to think about using a strap-on. For some men, that's going to, you know, some straight men, I think that that's going to be too sandpapering of their insecurities or feelings of inadequacy to use a strap-on, to use a dick, a strap-on dick during sex that takes the place of and maybe bigger than their own dick certainly isn't going to have erectile issues like their own dick since it's not a dick, it's a dildo. And here I am suggesting to you a person who You know, you say you really love PIV, that that probably works for you emotionally to like in the same way I told that guy to get a strap on and get a bonus dick, have another dick. I'm telling you to get another hole or supplement the hole you've got with another hole. But it's a big swing. Sounds crazy. Might just work. You can also experiment with some different positions and see if you can't find angles for him penetrating you where there's more pressure against A particular, you know, one of your vaginal walls, particular part of your vaginal cavity that cuts through or it helps his dick blast through all that extra lubrication and then he can get off. But wouldn't it be fun to be the first woman out there with a pig hole in her nightstand drawer? Seasonal excitement or dread is starting to settle in. People who run small businesses, you're probably feeling... Dread and excitement in equal measure? Excitement about sales? Dread about getting goods shipped out to your customers in time? That's where Stamps.com comes in. Sign up now to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control. With Stamps.com, you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all your shipping and mailing needs. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need to run your business right from your computer. No lines, no traffic, no hassle. And you'll get major discounts on USPS and UPS shipping rates up to 86% off. Stamps.com really is a stress-free solution for every small business. Rates are constantly changing. And with Stamps.com's switch and save feature, you can easily compare carriers and rates so you know you're getting the best deal every single time. And if you're running an online store, Stamps.com works seamlessly with all major shopping carts and marketplaces. This holiday season, trade rushing to the post office, trade late nights in line for silent nights. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code SAVAGE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter the code Savage.
6: Hi, Dan. So I received a message recently, a text message that was saying that uh, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, was a rapist and a predator. It's from a number I don't recognize. And this person said, absolutely do not respond. I'm going to block you after I send this message. Very much weirded me out, creeped me out at the time. I wasn't sure what to make of it. And I'm caught between trusting a friend that I've known for a few years and believing victims, despite the fact I don't have any idea who this person can be. This friend and I are not dating, although he did ask me out once. I said I didn't feel that way, and he let it go. There's never been a problem. Uh, Other than that, no signs of anything suspicious. But since that text, I find myself feeling suspicious over nothing, over nothing that I can tangibly feel. And every t- time I think of that text, I get very shaky. I get very nervous and I'm a little uncertain why or what to do about it. Um, the other thing that does come to mind is I sometimes wonder who's watching us or knows that we're spending time together and has my number.
1: Whoever sent that text message was trying to get in your head and it worked. You couldn't respond to them. They blocked you. It is an unsubstantiated allegation. Someone may have maliciously made that allegation because they have it in for your friend. Or your friend raped someone and they don't want to go public with the accusation, but they want other people to know. Now, it doesn't sound like this person reached out to you and said, I'm concerned for your safety. I'm concerned that there is a predator in your midst. I'm concerned for other people in this person's life. And for whatever reason, I can't come forward, but be careful, watch out. Doesn't sound like that's what whoever sent this message was trying to do. It sounds like whoever sent this message was trying to do exactly what they achieved here, which was to make his friends feel unsafe, uncomfortable, freaked out about being around him. And, you know, somebody who's a rapist, somebody who's a sexual predator doesn't go around with a sign that says, I am a rapist. I'm a sexual predator. It is often not who you would, I mean, not that you would have friends where you think that guy's probably a rapist, but it's often not who you would think. Rapists don't have rapists tattooed on their forehead. Except for Donald Trump, who basically has rapist tattooed on his forehead, And so just because there's nothing he's done or said or that you've ever heard about him that would lead you to believe that he is out there sexually assaulting people, and I can only assume if any of that were true, if he'd been doing and saying things that led you to believe he was a sexual predator, he wouldn't be your friend at all. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like this person just may have maliciously made this allegation out of anger. I can't imagine you're the only person That whoever was sending that text message sent that text message or text message like it to. And it's probably gotten back to your friend. So here's what you can do. And it really is the only thing you can do. You go to your friend and say, I got this really disturbing message. What the fuck is up? And then you're going to have to gauge his reaction and trust your gut. Now, maybe he's a sociopath and he has been out there sexually assaulting people, and he'll be able to look confused, shocked, wounded, and seem completely credible when he denies ever having sexually assaulted anyone. Or maybe the shock and credulity will be authentic because he hasn't actually raped anyone. And if somebody is waging a campaign against him, he may not have brought it up because he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to give it legs. He doesn't want to give it energy or power. But you may find out that lots of people that he knows have gotten this message from, who could it be? An angry ex? Somebody that he rejected? Somebody that he possibly had a sexual encounter with that went south in a way where the person wound up, the other person wound up feeling like they had been sexually assaulted? And It wasn't his intent to make them feel that way, but it is kind of how emotionally it played out. There's all sorts of things that could be possible here. But just rounding a friend, someone you know and love and trust, up to rapist because you got an anonymous text message, I think your friend deserves better than that from you, at least deserves a conversation with you where you take these concerns to him. And if he's being harassed or stalked himself, he may need to know that this is still going on or ongoing. But in the end, you're only going to have the word of this anonymous person who reached out to you by text because they were sincerely concerned or they were just trying to stir up shit for your friend and your friend's word to weigh against each other. And then you're going to have to make an informed judgment call and you may get it wrong. You may get it wrong, but only you can make that call. And you can't make that call until after you have a conversation with your friend about this mysterious text message.
0: Hi, Dan. 40-year-old fluid female here, married for seven years to an excellent husband in an ethical, non-monogamous relationship. And I've been seeing someone for about a year. I was the first to open it up. My husband's been looking and finally found someone who he's mutually interested in and here are the problems. So she lives about two hours away. She lives with her 13-year-old child and a roommate. So the last time they met up, the one and only time, in fact, that they met up, a a couple days ago, he asked if he could get a room. I said he could. Can she pay for half? She responded with this really long message, full of excuses why she's broke, ranging from roommates to exes, to exes, exes, to landlords. I don't like excuses, so I just said, Whatever, yeah, go ahead. You can pay for the room this time. The other problem is I make twice as much as him and I spend half as much as him. So he's basically spending my money on these hotels. So I guess my dilemma is why can't he stay at the gal's house? Well, I told him because he can't because it makes me uncomfortable because it shows bad judgment to be introducing your 13-year-old daughter to someone you've just started seeing. He told her that, that I didn't want him staying there, and she said, quote, My daughter is 13. She's not a kid. She's not going to give a fuck and probably won't even notice you're there, which is even more red flags to me. So what should I do? Should I let my hubby stay with the chick who definitely doesn't have good judgment in her house with a 13-year-old girl who is supposedly not a kid? Do I let him continue to spend my money on hotel rooms? I also offered them to come stay at my place. Uh, and I would leave, but she has uh, 20 more excuses on why she can't make the drive, and pretty much because of finances. Should I suggest they fuck in their cars?
1: Seems to me money well spent. You helping cover the cost of the hotel room where you would prefer your boyfriend to hook up with this other woman. You're in an open relationship. You have other partners or partner, I don't remember, but you have ongoing connections with other people. He's had to look long and hard to find somebody that he could connect with. It is a truth universally observed that women in open relationships and opposite sex open relationships have a much easier time of finding other partners, you know, men or other women who are willing to sleep with partnered or married women are a lot easier to come by, come with, come near than women willing to sleep with men who have wives or girlfriends at home. And It seems to me that it would be in your own best interest for your partner, after not having had another partner for the entire time your relationship has been open, to have someone else of his own. And if you help underwrite that, that redounds to your benefit. As for your concerns about this woman and her parent, you've got a lot of opinions about this woman and her parenting, this woman that you've not met It seems to me perfectly understandable that a single parent with a 13-year-old child and a roommate may be broke, may not have the money for gas to drive to wherever it is that you guys are, or the money to cover half a hotel room, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And the more economically advantaged person in that situation, if they're really interested in getting into her pussy might want to pop for that hotel room particularly if he's not comfortable or his primary partner isn't comfortable with him coming around to the house it is i think perfectly legitimate for you to step in and say okay it's fine with you to have a new boyfriend come to your house your apartment where your daughter lives not fine with me okay you can make that assertion. But if you want to make this work, not for her, set her aside and set perhaps your jealousy aside. And I'm wondering if there's not some jealousy at play here. Your partner hasn't had other partners up until now. This is the first time you've confronted the reality, not just of you getting to sleep with other people, but your partner getting to sleep with other people. And it seems like you're on a fact-finding mission or a a mission to find everything you might possibly be able to object to. And I think some of your objections are not without merit that you shouldn't have to, you know, if they want to meet up in a hotel room, she should be able to cover half of that. Well, take into consideration she's a single parent with a teenage daughter and a roommate. Maybe she can't cover that. I still want them to meet in a hotel room. I've offered them my play. They can't come here. Okay. 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 Yeah. Maybe some of that is sketchy. Maybe this will run its course quickly, but I don't think In your partner's eyes, you want to be perceived as the one who sabotaged the first connection he made with someone else by raising a million objections, even if a couple of them have merit. People shouldn't introduce their kids, and I think 13 is also still a kid, to a brand new sexual partner. I'm with you there. But I think you might want to err on the side of making your objections and concerns known while facilitating this relationship and not being perceived by your partner or this woman as the enemy. That's not a place that you want to be. And if you step into that role, the obstacle or the villain, it'll take longer for this relationship to run its course than it might otherwise.
0: Dan, my partner and I have been enjoying an open relationship for several years now. An observation that my partner found interesting is that the older women Let's say late 50s, 60s, a gorgeous woman in her early 70s loved to eat his ass, like devour, like jump right in without hesitation. I've watched it myself. He, of course, loves it. One of my partners noticed this when he also was with older women. Dan, any ideas why these badass rock star women, who I absolutely adore, love eating ass? Clearly more than the younger ladies.
1: Well, I think it's because during the Depression, there wasn't that much to eat. There was just ass. And so they had to make... I I don't know. I don't know why all these old women that your partner's fucking are into eating his ass. No one has ever pointed this pattern out to me before. So I'm going to toss this to my listeners out there of all ages. Has anyone else noticed this? That old ladies are more enthusiastic about eating ass than younger women, you know, eating ass wasn't something that I was doing out of the gate right after I came out of the closet, right after I started being with other guys. Ass eating then, when I first came out, was kind of regarded as really naughty and totally a varsity level kink almost. And ass eater, you know, got tossed around as an insult, even in gay circles. It's become normalized over the last few decades, but maybe it's the case that just like it took me some time to get comfortable with the idea of eating ass, it takes women some time to get comfortable with the idea of eating ass. And by the time they've developed a taste for it, they're in their 70s and their faces are buried in your partner's ass. But I don't think there's any research into this or data, so we're going to have to lean into anecdote. Listeners, any observations? Anybody else out there notice this pattern? Give us a buzz. All right. Before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some tweets. And yes, we are going to keep reading tweets for a little while longer, but we are monitoring the tweet situation and we reserve the right to stop reading tweets at any moment. Ricky Polite tweets, my two bits for the age gap relationship couple book a long weekend in a gay oasis. Palm Springs on any given weekend in February will give them enough adventure options to figure something out. Wilton Manor's Puerto Vallarta Get out of town. Get out of town. Always good advice for couples looking to have an adventure together. Age gaps or no age gaps. Daniel Summers tweets, may as well use the Savage Lovecast hashtag while at fake is still reading listener tweets. Thankful to have other means of pestering you, Dan, if this place tanks entirely. I've never pestered, Daniel when I hear from you on Twitter or elsewhere. And finally, N I N Girl Jane tweets: Do Magnum subs need to sign in on your website to continue reading your full column, Dan? Or will we receive a special URL via email? Thank you. Excited for the live stream this week. I'm excited for the live stream this week too. And no, Magnum subs don't need a special URL or URL as I like to call them. When you log into savage.love, the maxi column, the full Savage Love column will be automatically unlocked for you just like the Magnum Savage Lovecast already is. All right. Thank you to everybody who posted to your social media accounts about the Lovecast this week. Help spread the word. And if you want me to read your tweet on an upcoming episode of the Savage Lovecast, be sure to use the hashtag Savage Love Cast. And if you want me to join you on Mastodon or Matador or Mastication or whatever it is, you will have to explain to me how registering for that site works. I tried and I could not figure it out. All right, on to this week's listener response calls.
7: Hey, Dan, response call for the guy who made a move on the girl with a boyfriend. I will say for the future, it reminds me a lot of this older call where you had given the advice to be very direct in asking somebody out and always inviting the no. I thought that was so perfect because I do think that, you know, as wonderful as it is to have this kind of newer awareness around what women go through It does unfortunately put other people in this difficult situation where really nice people then just feel too afraid to ask people out, which is also very sad. Um, And I just think that if somebody approached me in that way, if they came up to me and said, hey, I'd really love to go on a date with you, completely understand if the answer is no, I promise I won't get upset or make it awkward. That would be so incredibly hot. And even if I wasn't interested in the person, I think that it would just make the interaction feel so much nicer and more comfortable. So there's really just like no losing in that situation. And just wanted to say that I hope people utilize it more. Hi, Dan, I have
6: a comment about the heteroflexible guy. My experience with that is uh, what heteroflexible means. It's a guy that wants to bang my wife and doesn't mind if I suck his dick. I know you. your view on the situation is that we should celebrate that, but uh, the fact of the matter is, from my perspective, these guys seem like
2: scumbags, absolutely unethical, and uh, I don't appreciate them at all. Hi, I'm calling in response to the caller who had a crush on a transmasculine tattooer in their area. I'm going to say, like, please do. Please do hit on them. I'm a transmasculine tattooer, and I've definitely had crushes on clients and I'm more implicated as the person that can't make the move in that scenario because I would be harassing a client so if you're feeling the vibe and they're sending it back to you I wouldn't do it during your appointment obviously I think Dan's advice is spot on but please do because they definitely can't be the one hitting on you like you're in the better position there to initiate that contact so Go for it. It's flattering. It'll probably make their day. Who doesn't like to feel hot? So shoot your shot and be graceful about the rejection if you get it.
1: And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the Voice Memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com. You can call us at 206-302-2064. I will be hosting Savage Love Live, a live stream exclusively for Magnum subs this Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's like sack lunch, which we're retiring, but longer with more questions, more answers, more banter with Nancy and the whole Lovecast gang and special guests. Lock in your Magnum sub now, just 69 cents a week, $36 a year at Savage.love micro listeners this week we're going to drop an episode of sex and politics into your feed so you can check it out it's my conversation with mike pesca from a month ago mike pesca of course is the host of the gist he's got a new show out now not even mad we had a rollicking convo about vladimir putin and podcasting and army hammer and a ton more look for it tomorrow in your normal micro feed and please we're trying to tempt you into becoming magnum subs if you are so tempted Please join us, become a Magnum subscriber today at savage.love. Follow me on Twitter for now at Fake Dance Savage. Follow Gabriel Blair on Twitter for now at DesignMom. And fuck with the tech savvy at risk youth forever and right now on Twitter at Lovecast, T-S-A-R-Y. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at risk youth. And Nancy, I'll we'll be back at you next week on installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.